KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, February 17th. San Diego, the nation's most unaffordable housing market. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. California's indoor mask requirement is gone, and this week the governor is reportedly set to announce his endemic plan. Dr. Eric Topol from the Scripps Translational Institute has reviewed the governor's endemic plan. He says it's good, but wishes it went further on vaccinations and new technology. I don't think that word endemic helps us at all. I think what we should be thinking about is, do we have the virus in containment? Are there very low levels? And what are we doing to keep it that way once we get there? We're not there yet. We're still not anywhere uh, close. Transitioning to an endemic phase is also recognition that the virus isn't going away. It's official. The price of gas in San Diego is now at the highest it's been in almost a decade. The average price of a gallon of self-serve regular gasoline in San Diego County rose one cent on Wednesday to a record high of $4.73. The previous record was set in October of 2012. Another lawsuit has been filed against the city of San Diego opposing its vaccine mandate for city employees. A citizens group called Reopen San Diego filed the suit on Tuesday in federal court. The group alleges that the mandate will exclude an entire category of individuals from meaningful participation in city government by barring unvaccinated city officials and volunteers from attending city meetings and doing business in city buildings. Last month, a similar lawsuit was filed in San Diego Superior Court by local first responders and a group called Protection of the Educational Rights of Kids. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. San Diego is known for its perfect weather and diverse scenery but it's costing renters and homeowners a pretty penny. A study reports that San Diego has the nation's most unaffordable housing market. KPBS's Tanya Thorne has more. Talk to any San Diego resident and they'll be sure to tell you, San Diego is not cheap. The cost of living is getting more expensive and so are homes. A recent report by a Texas company suggests San Diego tops the list of the nation's most unaffordable housing markets. The report conducted by Ojo Labs looked at median home prices and local incomes. The median home price in San Diego rose 14.3% in January to $764,000. When Ojo looked at the median home price and local incomes, it took San Diego's unaffordability score to the top of the list surpassing San Francisco. So we've, we've also seen a major deterioration in the affordability of homeownership in San Diego, which was not particularly affordable to begin with, but it got a lot worse during the pandemic. 
Jeff Tucker, a senior economist with Zillow, says household incomes aren't increasing as fast as home prices. Not yet seeing, you know, the, the major increases in salaries and incomes to kind of match that increase in the cost of homes. That's why as a share of people's income, the cost of homeownership in San Diego is getting wildly unaffordable right now. Christopher Thornburg with Beacon Economics says affordability isn't the root of the conversation. It's the lack of supply. If you had more houses for sale, that price would go down. If you had more apartments for rent, that price would go down. Well, how do we have more supply? Well, we do everything that people in San Diego don't want to do. You need densification. You need uh, 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 height limits taken back. You need to have uh, more land being used for housing. Thornburg says many industries find San Diego attractive, and that's helping drive the increase in prices. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. Lots of people adopted dogs during the pandemic, and they may have gotten used to letting those dogs run off the leash at parks and school fields. But now a new program is aiming to put those dogs back on a leash with costly citations for dog owners. KPBS's Claire Tregesser reports. Sierra Dockery spots him from the parking lot, a loose pit bull running around a fenced-in basketball court. She parks her SUV and hops out. Especially the basketball courts, there's a couple signs that I see right now that mandate dogs have to be on a leash, so we'll go make that contact. The dog's owner is not happy to see Dockery. Is this your dog? Yeah. Do you mind just putting him on the leash really fast? I'm going to enter the basketball court area. Dockery listens to the woman with a calm and gentle demeanor, but stays firm. She writes a ticket, which could end up costing her almost $300. Good job. Good job. You're doing a great job. Helping families and friends. Just another day at the office for Dockery, who looks a lot like a police officer in her tight bun, navy blue uniform, and utility belt. But her employer isn't a police department. It's the San Diego Humane Society. She's part of a new Park Patrol Enforcement Program the Humane Society started in 2021 to address a pandemic-era problem. The number of scofflaw dog owners ballooned during COVID. And then once they reopened, I feel like people kind of flooded back to the parks and beaches. Um, and people had that love of outdoors once again. The Humane Society is now giving out about 200 citations a month. That's a five-fold increase from early in the pandemic. About a third went to parks in Pacific Beach and Ocean Beach, and Dockery says they pay special attention to school fields. Some specific joint uses have become, let's say, like unofficial dog parks. That creates problems with dogs digging holes or leaving poop that kids step in. And then, of course, with off-leash dogs, there's always that risk of someone being attacked, a dog being attacked, someone being bit. And all of a sudden, you know, this dog, you know, jump on hair. That's exactly what happened to Belen Hernando's three-year-old daughter, Alba, at Trolley Barn Park in University Heights. We ended up in the hospital. Uh, she was traumatized. Alba had to get stitches and now struggles with a deep fear of dogs. People insist their dog is friendly and well-behaved, but Alba doesn't know that. It really change, you know, our whole family dynamic, right? And the way 
um, we spend our free time because we really, again, we couldn't come here, you know, because again, dogs were only, and then just going to any other park, we found that um, it happens the same. On a recent Wednesday evening, several dogs run freely at a field in Allied Gardens that's also being used for kids' soccer and baseball games. Marty Marcus lets his dog Ellie off-leash, and she barks and runs in circles as he talks. For the most part, the people who come down here do control their dogs. Uh, yeah, my, mine is barking a lot. She wants to run and play, and yes, yeah, she did has bumped into you a few times. But outside of that, most of the dogs down here are reasonably well-behaved. Marcus says he does worry about getting a citation. Dogs still needs exercise, and there are very few dog parks in the area. This dog's digging a hole actively. Back on her patrol, Dockery rolls through a busy park and spots two people watching their dogs run off-leash. Um, they're looking at it and not doing anything. She drives up to the young couple, hops out, and writes them each a citation. Do you know of a few dog parks in the area? Yeah. Okay, because yeah, there's like one literally down the street. It's about three minutes from here. The couple cheapishly accepts their $300 tickets and promises they won't break the rules again. Claire Tregesser, KPBS News. California's battle against single-use plastic waste continues this week. Lawmakers are considering a bill that would limit the types of packaging online retailers can use. KCRW's Kaylee Wells reports. When online shopping grew during the pandemic, so did packaging. A report last year from the wildlife advocacy group Oceana says Amazon's plastic waste spiked nearly 30 percent in 2020, although Amazon disputes that. That plastic takes centuries to degrade. The new bill would require big online retailers to stop using common plastic packaging by 2024. Small businesses would have more time to transition by 2026. If this measure passes, retailers would have to use packaging that's reusable, recyclable, or biodegradable. It's not the first time California's tried to do this. A similar bill died last year when a business coalition, which included plastic companies, said eliminating the packaging could lead to more damaged stuff and spoiled food. This time around, the proposal excluded some perishable foods like produce and meat. I'm Kaylee Wells in Los Angeles. Coming up, San Diego has the highest water rates in the state. We'll have that story just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. 
From summer-like heat to winter cold with rain and snow, San Diego County has seen it all over the last few days. KPBS reporter John Carroll looked into the reasons behind our wild weather. With a high of 91 degrees, Saturday was a record breaker in San Diego, the hottest February day since they started keeping records. But then big changes on Tuesday with high winds, heavy rain at times, snow, lightning, and even hail in some inland areas. National Weather Service meteorologist Alex Tardy says it was due to a very cold system moving down from the Arctic. It definitely packed the punch. Um, it didn't bring up an atmospheric river. It didn't bring up any moisture from the tropics, but it brought a lot of cold air. And what that means meteorologically is a lot of instability. Tardy says another, much more mild Santa Ana will develop Wednesday night into Thursday. John Carroll, KPBS News. State officials are predicting dire statewide drought conditions this year, which could mean more water use restrictions. Although San Diego has gone a long way towards insulating itself from water shortages. Conservation efforts combined with projects like the desalination plant in Carlsbad leave the county in a better position to weather a drought. But it also leaves us with some of the highest water rates in the state, higher than Los Angeles County. Joshua Emerson-Smith is a reporter with the San Diego Union-Tribune. He spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh about the current water policies. San Diegans have seen their water rates creep up year after year. About how much more are we paying in comparison to L.A.? Well, our wholesale rate, which for untreated water, which is $1,474 an acre foot right now, and an acre foot is about enough water to cover an acre a foot deep, that's about $400 an acre foot more than what they're paying in L.A., so quite a, quite a bit more. And, of course, that kind of trickles down, if you would, to the consumer. And Absolutely. San Diego has always been at the end of the pipeline for state water supplies. Is that why the County Water Authority has launched its own water projects? Yeah, that's part of it. We're at the end of the pipeline when it comes to delivering water from the Sacramento Bay Delta and the Colorado River. But we've also had a little bit of bad blood with our wholesaler, the Metropolitan Water District of Southern California, after a dust up in the early 90s over drought restrictions. And ever since then, the Water Authority here in San Diego has been looking to develop its own supplies for water and use less and less of the Met water. Tell us about the projects that it started and how they add to our water bills. Well, it's everything from the raising the San Vicente Dam or the Olivahane Dam to other emergency storage projects to perhaps most notably the Carlsbad desalination plant, which uh, has some of the highest water rates uh, around. And apparently after taking on whopping debts to increase the water supply, the county found itself up against a decrease in demand. How did that happen? I mean, no one really saw this coming, to be fair. But since 2010, so over the last decade, demand for water from our wholesaler has decreased 40%. It's hard to overstate 
how significant that is. A lot of it is due to conservation. So people have ripped out their lawns with turf rebate programs, mandatory drought conservation during the last uh, drought was pretty significant. So people are just using less water. On top of that, local retail agencies are developing their own resources, which is largely recycling projects. And so that means that they're also demanding less from our water wholesaler here in the region. Even though the county's water projects may help us get through droughts without a water shortage, there are San Diegans who can't afford to pay their water bills right now. Is there any plan to help them? Yeah, I mean, that that's the big issue, right? We have farmers who are saying they can't afford the cost of water. And we've seen demand from the agricultural sector drop pretty severely. But now increasingly low income folks and even middle income folks are saying they're having a hard time paying their water bills. And this is something that state and local officials are grappling with because it's hard to design these projects Uh, given the state rules around increasing water rates. You can't just increase water rates to redistribute the funds. So we're trying to figure this out. The state, the answer is probably going to come from the state in, in terms of relief programs. But it's one of those issues where we see we see it on the horizon. People are increasingly unable to afford their water bills. It's pretty significant. It certainly looks like we'll have a lot of water, and we certainly may need it as the effects of climate change increase. So could these high prices be seen as an investment in the future? Absolutely. Uh, Right now, we're in a situation where, ironically, it seems like we have more water than we need, than we know what to do with, even though we're in a drought. But going forward, this could pay dividends. Uh, We could see increased reliability into decades to come. The question is, what will the cost of that be? And that was Joshua Emerson Smith, a reporter with the San Diego Union-Tribune. He was speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh. And just before you go, we do have one more local story. The eSports team at Hoover High School has a new space to play. KPBS Speak City Heights reporter Jacob Ayer takes us there. An already thriving eSports team got a recent upgrade at Hoover High School. Not in a video game, but in real life. The club has a brand new space on campus dedicated to competitive gaming, and it's fully stocked with high-end computers, gaming chairs, headphones, and a lot more. I'd say the most popular game that's running on right now, at least in this esports, is still Rocket League, Super Smash Bros, and Valorant. Club captain in Hoover High School senior Henry Huang says the new room is a huge improvement from before. Honestly, it's been amazing. I remember I first joined the esports club here at Hoover during my sophomore year, and we kind of had like a little uh, underground, I would say, dungeon area. And we'd usually play on the school computers. We never kind of had that uh, luxury of trying to build one. For every sports team, there was a coach. For Hoover High School's eSports club, it's Jack Wetzel, who also runs the robotics club and teaches math and computer science at the school. He's been in charge of the program since 2016. 
I think esports is, is, is just any digital sport and it, ranging from anything from chess to these competitive first person shooters. But if I was going to say what it is here at Hoover, it, it's really a community and it's, it's about students having a safe place where they have like-minded people to collaborate and, and be friends with. Huang says esports provide him an escape from real world difficulties while spending time with his friends, which has been a challenge since the pandemic. For my sophomore year, I was pretty lonely, I would say, during the pandemic. I uh, didn't really have anything to talk to, so I would always just play games and having social interactions on there. Hoover High is just one example of the blossoming esports scene in San Diego. San Diego State is about to launch a new certificate program called Business of Esports, which is open to people of all ages. Newton Lee will be one of the professors. He sees esports in line with social media platforms, but says they offer competition for all and are more inclusive than traditional sports. It doesn't matter if you're black or white or a kid or an old man or old woman, physical disabled or you know, physical strong, physically strong, they all can compete in the same game. To me, that is really truly amazing. You cannot see that in any physical sports. Wetzel says the new room is just the start. They already have competitions set up with other schools from around the area, and he plans to try to make esports a lettering sport in high school. High School Esports League is the, the national um, organization that's helping gather everybody together. And they're the ones that actually host those games. And then from there, the colleges are looking on those websites to see which teams are scoring highest, which ones are doing well through the competitions. Um, and then on top of that, there's actual scholarships from High School Esports League. Professor Lee says the future of esports is very bright. In fact, he sees the new SDSU esports program and other similar educational offerings as a gateway into the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics fields. So it makes them, especially high school students, more curious about, well, maybe, you know, I'm not going to professional gamer, but I can design new hardware. Or, oh, I'm really good in art. I can do animation. So that's something that they may not have thought of if there were no esports. Professor Lee says one of the biggest challenges for the esports industry at the moment is the need to introduce more women. But he says it will be difficult because of a number of players creating a toxic environment for women in online gaming circles. That being said, there are efforts underway, such as creating more collaborative and less violent video games to bridge the gender gap and open the virtual door on esports to all. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. And that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.